Good morning, church. <clears throat> For the record, that's the nicest he's been to me in a long time. So I appreciate that. <laughs> so um, I'm excited, though, as we continue our study on Jonah, we're going to pick up right in the last verses where we left off of chapter one. Um, and we kind of left with a cliffhanger. And today, I want to kind of sprinkle in some relief, uh, maybe just a, a few jokes here and there or something. But in all seriousness, the, the topics that we're talking about today is, I think all of us can relate to, right? Up to this point in Jonah, Jonah hasn't even prayed, right? We talked about that last week. Um, Jonah, you know, is, is running from God, and he's come to the point now where he's been cast uh, overboard. And throughout this study, we've been looking at it, Jonah as a satire, right? We can relate to Jonah, and, you know, as you read it, you kind of make fun of him. You say, like, oh, he's acting silly. Oh, he's not doing that right. Oh, he's messing up here. But then, as Pastor Nate reminded us of last week, anything that Jonah does in the book of Jonah, it should make us stop and go, oh, wait, that's me. So where we left off last week, if you want to read here, Jonah 1, verse 17, it says, The Lord appointed a great fish to swallow Jonah, and Jonah was in the belly of the fish three days and three nights. So if you would, bow with me as we go to God in prayer. God, thank you for the opportunity just to wake up this morning, worship you, uh, be alongside other believers and other people in our community as we open up your word and study this morning. God, I pray that you would help me to uh, be clear, uh, speak the truth that is in your word and what you want us to hear this morning. And and God, I pray that you'd allow us to make that connection from Jonah to us and how we can apply it to our lives. And uh, God, thank you so much for the wonderful blessing it is just to gather together. And I pray that you'd help us to stay focused and apply this to our lives this week and beyond. And we pray all these things in your name. Amen. So Jonah, you know, he's the guy who's running from God, you know, the prophet Jonah running from God, the irony there. Um, but we all have those friends that like to exaggerate, don't we? You know, like the friend that, or it can be a family member, I guess, but the friend or family member who tells their fishing story and the fish was this big, but really the fish was like this big. Yeah, it was so big, I had to just cast it out. <laughs> it was just, you know, and they like to exaggerate, right? Something little in their life can happen, good or bad, and all of a sudden it's the greatest thing to happen or it's the worst thing to happen. You know, like, they're like, well, I woke up this morning, I thought my car was on empty, but then I turned on my car and I realized that the gas tank was full. I remembered yesterday I had filled up before I got home. So, you know, hashtag blessed, look at me, best day ever. You know, and all of a sudden they go on and on about how their life is so great and how they're going to do this. And you're just like, you woke up with gas in your car. You know, like it, they just exaggerate and go to the next level, right? Or we know those friends that, you know, they hit that fourth red light on the way to class instead of the three red lights, like they timed it out. And now they're running late, and now their life is a ruin, and now they're just like, life is a mess, and you're just like, oh my goodness, can you just chill for a second, you know? But we all have those people in our lives that like to exaggerate, right? Um, 
Jonah, even though this is a satire, I believe Jonah was that guy. Jonah was that friend, that relative that liked to tell, you know, this fish story instead of this fish story. You know, he, he takes things to a little bit of the extreme, and we're going to see that more here in chapter 2 than we saw in chapter 1. But Jonah, we have to still keep in mind that he is us in this story. Now, Jonah, you know, we left on a cliffhanger last week, and he has been swallowed up for a, by a fish, and he's been in that fish's belly for three days and three nights, and Jonah is at rock bottom. Jonah is at the end of the road. Life could not get more worse for Jonah. Now, if we're honest with ourselves, and I, if you would, raise your hand if within the past six to 12 months, you have been at rock bottom. You know, myself included, go ahead. If, if you feel like in the past year, six months to a year, I've been in where an instance where like, I didn't know where else to turn, right? And yeah, so some people have been, yeah, a little honest. Um, but we've all, whether it's happened recently or not, we've all most likely had that experience, right? We're just, we're at the bottom, we're at the end of the road, life cannot get worse. This is where, you know, we left off on the opening movie or the first episode of the TV show, and it's a cliffhanger, and now we pick it up here. If you would read with me in Jonah chapter 2, verse 1. Jonah prayed to the Lord his God from the belly of the fish. And we're going to screech on the brakes right there. Here we are. A, over a chapter in, and Jonah finally prays. You know, the prophet finally prays to God. When he's at the, the end of the road, and he's at rock bottom. And let's, you know, consider, let's recap even further. You know, Jonah, his name, everyone remember what his name means? I'll tell you. <laughs> it means dove, all right? Jonah means dove, and he is the son. His father's name means faithfulness. So he is Jonah, you know, the dove, the son of faithfulness. And, you know, he, even when we, right before when we started reading in chapter one, you know, we got to the point, remember in the story where Jonah is in the boat, and he's like, I don't know where else I can run from God. So, Everyone else on this boat, go ahead, I'm the fault, cast me overboard, right? Like he would rather die, you know, and remain in control of his situation than just follow God. So, you know, <laughs> his whole, this whole story up to this point, Jonah has been rerouting, 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 trying to avoid a God that he knows he can't escape. But how often do many of us feel like Jonah in the belly of the fish, right? Past six, 12 months or, or beyond that, where we have been in a spot where life has gotten tough, right? Life is just at the lowest of the low, right? It can be, we didn't get into our, um, our school that we wanted to get into, whether that's undergrad or a graduate degree, we're gonna go to school. We wanna, we wanna be at this school because it gives us this opportunity you know, we get these connections, we can make these friends, and it falls through, right? They, you get the letter, you know, or email, you know, sorry, but keep trying. Or what about, you know, that job that you were so excited, it finally opened up, you got a, 
an opportunity maybe to move closer to home or to move maybe in a career path that's a little bit more in your wheelhouse. Or maybe it's that promotion that you've been working for years, years to get, and you get passed up. It goes to the guy or the girl that sits next to you at work. Right? We've, we've all had moments like this uh, where our, our marriage or our family, it's just everything is falling apart. You know, we come home rather than it being safe and, you know, welcoming at, in our own home. It feels like we're stepping into the octagon or like the, you know, the boxing ring. You know, it's just home is not peaceful, is not calm anymore. Or it can be from, you know, health problems, fertility issues, battling anxiety or stress, whatever it is, we can think of moments where we have been where Jonah is right now in chapter two. We are at the bottom. Can't get any worse. We don't know where to go. And what should we do in moments of deep distress? Well, let's read. Jonah chapter two, verse two. I called to the Lord in my distress, and he answered me. I cried out for help. From deep inside, Sheol, you heard my voice. So Jonah demonstrates what we should do in times of despair, and that's pray. Jonah demonstrates what we should do in times of deep despair, pray. Obviously, we should be praying daily. This should be something that we normally do, but especially when we just can't find another alternative, prayer is the answer. And he finally does that. He finally gets to the point where you would expect a prophet of God to do, which is, you know, talk to God. And, you know, he finally, though, in verse 2, takes off the superhero cape. He takes off the blinders. He finally admits that he's at the end of the rope. You see, because up until this point, Jonah has been, you know, trying to fix all the problems. You know, he's, for those of you who have done like plumbing or different things, like, you know, you make a mistake or something happens and quickly you're trying to put out a bunch of fires at once. Or, you know, like he's worked himself into this bind and he finally realizes, ah, I need help. He finally admits that he's been acting in rebellion and seeks redemption. He finally reaches out to God. I can think back multiple times in life so far where, you know, I've been in a spot similar to this, not necessarily in the belly of a fish, but, you know, in a tight spot, right? I can think many instances where out of high school, I went to Eastern Michigan to pursue a Bachelor's in music education. Thought I had it all figured out. If you would have pulled me at freshman year of high school, I would have told you. I was that guy. I was like, yeah, I know exactly what I'm doing. And I know exactly where I'm going, everything. Everyone's like, okay. But, you know, set, all right? And then quickly, in the first couple of years, I realized that that's not where God was having me to go. I remember moments of just sitting on a futon or a couch or just basically staring at the wall going, God, I don't know where to go. You know, this isn't what I had drawn up, God. God, this wasn't my plan. And, I, and we've all been there. If we've all, we're all being honest, we've all been to that spot. 
where things haven't been going the way we expected them to. We've tried on our own to fix the problem. We've tried every solution in the book. We've read books on how to solve our solution. But at the end of the day, what matters most and what is the most important step is to go to God in prayer. Let's continue, though, as we, as we hear, um, as we look into verse chapter 2. Actually, I got ahead of myself. Um, you know, Jonah, in the last half of, of chapter 2, we start to see a glimpse of Jonah being just a little bit dramatic. At the end of verse 2, it says, you know, I cried out for help from deep inside of Sheol. So what he's essentially saying is, um, I cried out for my or I cried out for help from deep inside of hell. Like, it's like, okay, Jonah. You know, but it's, he is at rock bottom, and he reached out, and God heard his voice. And we continue here in verse 3, where it says, You threw me into the depths, into the heart of the seas, and the current overcame me. All your breakers and your billows swept over me. But I said, I have been banished from your sight, yet I will look once more toward your holy temple. The water engulfed me up to the neck. The watery depths overcame me. Seaweed was wrapped around my head. I sank to the foundations of the mountains. The earth's gates shut behind me forever. Whoa. Jonah just goes on this mini rant, right, about how life is terrible. So he cries out to God. He first realizes that, oh, I might be the problem, but I need help regardless. All right. And then he cries out to God and he just goes into this laundry list of how he feels. Right. Look at some of these phrases. Um, All your breakers and your billows swept over me. I've been banished from your sight. Water engulfed me up to the neck. The watery depths overcame me. Seaweed was wrapped around my head. I sank to the foundations of the mountains and the earth's gates shut behind me forever. Seven, seven instances where Jonah is, you know, we talked about Jonah's kind of that guy who exaggerates. Well, Jonah is just letting God have it right now. He is just like, I am at the lowest I've ever been, right? There's nowhere else to turn. He is absolutely crying out and reminding us of the situation that he's in. You see, in the first couple of verses, verses 2 and 3, Jonah displays God's sovereignty because he cries out for God, uh, to God for help because he knows God can give that to him. He calls out to the Lord because he knows he'll hear his voice. But in verse 4, and what we just read through verse 6, you notice how it takes a slight turn, right? We see Jonah's prayer now become submissive in verse 4, if you read that. I have been banished from your sight, yet I will look once more toward your holy temple. He's starting, like we mentioned earlier, to take off that cape, right? He's starting to be now submissive to God. You know, God, I know you that you can save me. I'm going to look one more time to you. I'm going to turn to you one more time because I know it's possible. And then he continues to share about how he feels, right? And it's important for us to remember that, like we said before, we are like Jonah, right? This is us. 
Jonah's feelings in this situation are valid. He may be a guy who likes to exaggerate, but ultimately he knows the truth of the situation, right? He is at rock bottom. And rock bottom looks different to me as it does to you, right? The things in my life that I put value on are not the same things that Roy puts value in in his life or Nate or Lance or anyone, right? Like everyone has different, you know, rock bottom. But how you feel, your feelings of despair, your feelings of hopelessness, those are valid to feel. But we have to remind ourselves of the truth that only God can bring us through our despair. See, even though Jonah is at the end of the line, even though he truly believes he's going to die, he calls out to God, and there's an important moment that happens at the end of verse 6 and in verse 7. Let's read. Then you raised my life from the pit, Lord my God. As my life was fading away, I remembered the Lord, and my prayer came to you, to your holy temple. You see, what happens is Jonah finally accepts grace. You know, the whole thing that we've been, we're going to be talking about for the next couple of weeks. He accepts it. And we see at this point, right, grace had, was not, the promise of grace was not fulfilled yet through Jesus, right? This was before Jesus. But think back even further. In Genesis, God promised grace to Adam and Eve. Grace has already been given. Right? When I mean that Jonah accepted grace, Jonah finally started to submit to God and allowed God to be the Lord of his life. He finally says, God, I can't do it. Only you can. You see, grace was promised in Genesis, fulfilled through Jesus. This is the, the gospel story that we all know, right? Jesus coming to earth, living the life that we could not live, dying the death that we deserved, but raising from the dead to give us victory over death. That's grace. That's the good news, right? And Jonah calls out to the Lord. And he said, I remembered the Lord in verse 7. You see, Jonah was so blinded by his situation that the prophet Jonah, you know, his occupation, prophet, the prophet Jonah forgot that God was even there the whole time. He was so blinded by his situation, he was so distracted by living life the way he wanted to live it, that he forgot that in his moment of despair, God was right there. How many times are we in that situation where when the moment is tough, when we feel like God is not even around, if we have that relationship with God, God resides in us. God is there. And Jonah's finally to the point where he is taking off the superhero cape, he's taking off the blinders, and he's saying, okay, God, I give up. And if we're honest with ourselves and we think back to those situations in our lives, how silly we feel now, right? Hindsight is 20-20. We can look back at a situation that God's brought us through, and we're like, I had no idea where God was. And we laugh at ourselves because we're like, that's right. 
He was there the whole time. How could I not see that? How could I not see God working in this situation? God was using this person in my life. There's all these situations where God is showing us that he is there, but we are so focused on what we want to do. We're so focused on our agenda and our priorities that we forget. Like Jonah, in time of despair, we forget God is even there. It sounds cheesy and cliche, but it's true, right? In time of despair, we forget God is even there. You see, God never leaves us, but we, when we are caught up in our situation, we forget about the obvious, that God is faithful. We are human. We are imperfect. We are the unfaithful ones. God is faithful. See, God, knowing our mistakes, knowing what terrible people we would be, knowing the people that would reject him, still, back in the garden, chose to show us grace. Before we were even thought of, before we were created, God says, "Mm, I love you. And I'm still going to create you even though I know how you're going to mess up. I know how you're going to fall short. I know how much in times of despair you're going to put the blinders on. God is faithful. We are unfaithful and like Jonah when we're in times of trouble and despair, we need to reach out to to God, the only source of basically freedom from what we've put ourselves in. Let's continue reading in verses 8 and 9. It says, Those who cherish worthless idols abandon their faithful love. But as for me, I will sacrifice to you with a voice of thanksgiving. I will fulfill what I have vowed salvation belongs to the Lord. See, Jonah vows here in verses 8 and 9 to yield to God, giving God control over his life. In verse 9, Jonah vows to serve God with thankfulness and to do what God has asked him to do and what he promised God he would do. So we see that Jonah is blinded. We see that Jonah realizes that he is making the mistake. He takes off the superhero cape. He says, God, I'm yours. And verses 8 and 9, he commits. He commits to the next step, which is turning away from what got him into the situation in the first place. You see, Jonah finally comes to the realization that God is a better God of our lives than we are. God is a better God of our lives than we are. You see, God is a perfect, sovereign, almighty creator of the universe. And we are often blinded by what we think we need. Kind of talked about a little bit last week. We're blinded by our selfish ambition. And we are limited by being human but we have to be like Jonah and in moments of despair realize that God is a better God of our lives than we are. I found this scripture and just 
some quiet time, and I wanted to read this from James chapter 1. Consider it a great joy, my brothers and sisters, whenever you experience various trials, because you know that the testing of your faith produces endurance, and let endurance have its full effect, so that you may be mature and complete, lacking nothing. You see, as the worship team comes up, I just want to ask a simple question. Who is the God of your life? Like James says, we're going to go through trials, but it's to test our faith, right? We talked about last week how prayer is just a physical showing of a dependence on God and our need for him. And if we're like Jonah, which if we're honest, we usually are, we put on the superhero cape, we put on the blinders, we tell God, I'm going to do this my way. But you know what it really says? We talked about a couple of weeks ago, actually maybe a couple months ago, about we want to be the church that says yes. Right? And when we say, when we're a church that says yes, we say yes to one thing, but ultimately we're saying no to something else. So if we don't allow God to be the God of our lives, what we're really saying yes to is ourselves, and we're saying no to an almighty, perfect creator of the universe. What a slap in the face that is. A God, a perfect, sovereign God, and we say, no, my way is better. I want to do things my way. And I feel like at times God is like a parent, right? The kid who just wants to do everything his or her own way. He says, all right, go ahead. But see, just like loving parents, there is a moment of repentance and forgiveness. I just want to read a couple more scripture of just reminding us of who God is. You can read about his understanding is infinite in Psalm 147.5 and Isaiah 55.8-9. For my thoughts are not your thoughts and your ways are not my ways. This is the Lord's declaration. For as heaven is higher than earth, so my ways are higher than your ways and my thoughts than your thoughts. Church, are we allowing a God who is so far above us to have control over our lives? Or are we like Jonah up until chapter 2 where we are saying, no, I don't need you. My way is better. Because it's not easy all the time, but I think we all can agree in moments where we are serving God and where God is the God of our lives, life may not be easy, but it's good. And just like James says, you know, our suffering, there's a reason for these tough situations that we're in. It's to improve our faith, it's to come to the greater knowledge, really, that God is God, and we are not. So if you would, please stand as we are. The worship team will lead us in a song, and I want to encourage everyone to take this moment to look in the mirror and make an honest observation. Who is the God of your life? 
Is it run by a little G God? Is it run by you? Or is it run by a big G God, an almighty sovereign creator of the universe who loves you regardless?